0: Yes, I too want to welcome you to this special service, our communion service here this morning. <clears throat> Roger Rose faced uh, a deep sorrow as a child. His brother was fatally injured in a tragic accident. A dirt road ran alongside their home, and only, only on rare occasions would a, a car come that way. But one day as his brother was crossing the road with his bike, a uh, car come over the hill, and he was hit and killed. Roger said, later when his father picked up the, the mangled, twisted bike, I heard him sob out loud for the very first time. He carried it to the barn and placed it in a spot uh, we, they seldom used. Father's terrible sorrow eased with the passing of time, but for many years, whenever he saw the bike, tears began streaming down his face. <clears throat> Since then, I often prayed, Lord, keep the memory of your death That fresh to me. Every time I partake of your memorial supper, may my heart be stirred as if it only occurred yesterday. He concludes by saying, never let communion service become a mere formality, but always a tender and touching experience. There are folks here, there are people here this morning who have lost children, and I can only imagine what you're facing when that year comes around. And that time comes around. But this morning, as we think about how Christ suffered and died for us, may we just not allow this service to become, oh, here we go again. But just remember afresh what Christ has done for us, which is a reason we are gathered here this morning. Just we go back and we think about what happened in the past. And we think about how Jesus was betrayed He was mocked. He was falsely accused. He was forsaken. His disciples left him. They crucified him. Three days later, he died. Three days later, he rose again. And we can just pause there for a second and ask the question, why? And the answer is so simple. So that you and I will be able to experience eternal life. He died for you and I. And so his desire for us is to, as his children is to remember what he accomplished for us. Remember, my body was broken for you and my blood was shed. So when we eat and and drink here this morning, we'll just shortly at the Lord's table. What it's doing is signifying the the communion and the union, unity of the church. As this morning here, what are we? We're the body of Christ and the, the common union that we have. I believe. It's also time when we, uh, when we remember, the great love that Christ has for us. We can sing about that, His love. His love knows, knows no boundaries. But it was that love that was showed towards us when He was willing to become our Savior, and we also are well aware that that suffering, <coughs> excuse me, and death was the price that needed to be paid for our sin, but he endured it all. Why? So he could offer salvation for you and I. So it was, this morning we're here, it's it's uh, in order for us to remember that extreme suffering and pain that he endured, Jesus himself instituted communion. The Last Supper with his disciples. And then he commanded all his true followers to observe, observe and keep the same, which is why, we are doing it this morning, and he uh, instituted communion for a number of reasons, but I'm just going to list four of them this morning. One of them was that we keep Christ's death in memory until he returns. He tells us over and over again, this do in remembrance of me. So he instituted communion so we do not forget. Second of all, that we express communion with his sufferings. We talk about partaking. We're one with him. He suffered and we are remembering that as well. It's also a time to express unity with fellow believers. And I can't overemphasize that word. And it will probably come up again later on here. But the unity and the brotherhood that we have here at church. And another one for communion. And I, I believe it's, well, they're all key points. But I'd like to bring this one to our attention a little bit more. Uh, is that it is to express undivided a devotion to Christ. Yeah, yes, we're here. We're remembering what he has done for us. And I think each one of us this morning could go like this and say he died. for." We don't want to point but get all your fingers. He died for me. He died for you. This is why. And this morning, communion is to express undivided devotion to Christ. And I also like to emphasize this is not something that we want to express in our devotion to Christ. It's not something we do twice a year, but each and every day of our lives as we give him all I believe this morning is a time to reflect on His death and think about the pain that He endured, remembering that we are the reason that He was willing to die. It should be a sobering thought when we think about that, that, that we are the reason that Christ said, I'm willing to do this because of His great love for, for you and I. Had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Jesus, and you know the rest, then forever my soul would be lost. I don't think we can overemphasize the, the love that Christ has, has for us. Had it not been, we'd, just be, we'd be lost. But we're not. Praise the Lord, we're not. And we just have to just, just pause and just say thank you, Jesus, for, for what he has done. Just uh, may, this, may a service like this be riveted in our minds. As you're thinking about Jesus and his work on the cross, again, ponder the, the blessing of the unity we're experiencing here at the body of Christ. We're so blessed also thinking ahead of the hope we have of eternal life. We're so thankful for the unity of the church. Again, to repeat that, and also because of his great love for us, we in turn express our undivided devotion to him. I ask the question, uh, we know Jesus gave us his all, and the question is, are we giving him our all? We sing sometimes, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give, I will ever love and trust him. And then there we see a commitment and and a dedication, and there we see that we take our faith in Christ and allow the roots to go deep and not shaken by the, different doctrines of the world, but we just, you know, we're surrendered to Jesus. The, that section of verse, is, uh, verse ends with, in his presence, I daily live. So I trust this morning, uh, this service will be a time of reflecting the back of what Christ has done, remembering as well, and possibly rededicating our love and devotion to Jesus Christ. I'm not here to say anyone's slacking, but are we completely committed to Jesus Christ? the one who laid down his life to redeem a fallen man. I told the message this morning, uh, this is my body and my blood. And you could turn to Mark chapter 14, please. Mark 14, the ordinance of communion was instituted by Jesus here in Mark 14. And... Um, In a few minutes, we're going to focus mainly on verses 22, 23, and 24, but look at Mark 14, verse 12. I like to read that this time. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? The first day of unleavened bread. You know, we're reading this morning from the New Testament. But this account was taken prior to Jesus' crucifixion. And here we see they're planning to observe Old Testament law. And that was the the Passover time that they killed the lamb. And they sprinkled on the lintel on both sides of the doorposts of their home in order to observe the Passover. And we could ask the question, you know, what was the Passover? And I'm going to read a few verses from Exodus 12. You're welcome to turn there if you wish. Exodus 12, just a little brief history on the Passover. Exodus 12:21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said unto them, draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. Just, here we go. Uh, this is how they were supposed to, to do this. And you should take a bunch of hyssop, which was a, a shrub, like uh, just grab a bunch of twigs with some leaves on, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin from the lamb that they just killed, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out of that door of this house until morning. So here's some strict rules. Put blood on the doorposts, but don't exit that door. This is the reason, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over... The door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in your houses to smite you. That was when the firstborn was going to be killed. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons. How long? Forever. And it shall come to pass when ye come to the land which the Lord gives you, according to your promise, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children say unto you, What mean ye by this service? Then ye shall say, "It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptian and delivered our, our houses." And the people bowed their head and worshipped, and the children of Israel went away and did as Moses had commanded Moses, and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So did they. Here we see Passover. Well, I will pass over this house. You are to observe this forever. And then we see the children of Israel obeyed and did as they were told. Today, we, we, if we think back that lamb we just talked about in the Old Testament time, Jesus Christ is the lamb of God, the lamb that was slain to take away and cleanse the sin from fallen mankind. Jesus paid that debt, the, that sin caused, by shedding his blood. And just as the Passover lamb was killed and his blood was shed to save from death, so the body of so Jesus' blood was body was broken and his blood was shed. Why? To save us from sin and destruction. So back again to where you guys are at. There in uh, in Mark twelve, we find the disciples saying to Jesus, "Where should we go and prepare?" And it's such it's so beautiful how he says, "Well, just go out into the town and you're going to see a man carrying some a pitcher of water. Just follow him, and you're going to find a place." Uh, The place where he goes, there's an upper room there. Just prepare there and get ready. And it's just a point, if we can just pause for a second. And Jesus knows all things. It's so beautiful. The disciples went and found exactly as he had said. They went out, and oh, here's a man carrying some water. Okay, let's go to his house. Oh, upstairs, here's the room. And they prepared. Later, we get into verse 17. In the evening, he cometh with the twelve. So here's the room prepared. He's there, according to that 18, and as they sat and did eat, so they were starting to eat. So put yourself there around the table with Jesus. They're eating this last supper. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one which eateth with me shall betray me. Now, now here we come to a sad side of this story. Jesus knows all things. We just saw that. And here we find that Judas was, uh, was, was about... To betray Jesus, so they looked around at each other and said, "Well, is it I? Is it you? Who is this?" Then Jesus said, "Well, it's the one who dips uh, with me in the dish." Look at verse twenty-one: "The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed! Good were it for him if he had never been born." And we see there the the woe that's pronounced on those who, who betray Jesus Christ. Jesus said it would be better if that man had never been born. And he, as he was sitting there saying that, he, Jesus knew what Judas was thinking and what his plans were. Judas thought he had gone out and had a secret meeting with these evil guys to plan this, this betrayal, but Jesus knew all about it. And the, verse, the beginning of the verse uh, 21, the Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him. So yes, The Father God sent His Son to this world to die for us, but Judas did not have to be the betrayer. Judas had a power of choice. Judas was given the opportunity to repent, but Judas was lost for the same reason that uh, people in our society are lost today. They're unwilling to repent of their sin and to believe on Jesus Christ, and Judas, as many today, they rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior. So that brings us to verse 22. Let's read verse 22, 23, and 24 as we uh, think about a communion service. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed it and blessed and broke it and gave to them and said, "Take, eat; this is my body." And he took the cup, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they they all drank of it. And he said unto them, "This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Here we have the Lord's Supper, and Jesus said, this is my body. So while they were there, I keep looking up top there, I think in the upper room, uh, that is an upper room, but uh, while they were up there eating in that room, Jesus reached for the bread, he took the bread, but notice there are four things that he did, four things that Jesus did with the bread. Number one, he took the bread in his hands. Just think about what that means. This uh, symbolized that his death was a voluntary act. Jesus took it in his hands. His destiny was in his hands. And we know Jesus was not forced to die. And we also know that Jesus willingly laid down his life for our sin. He took it in his hands. And he said, yeah, I'm willing to go through with this. second thing he did, he gave thanks. He thanked God for deliverance and for the ability that he had to provide the assurance of life. And yes, we know, and he knew the price was high. He was aware of the pain and the suffering that was about to come. But here in his upper room, he still thanked God that he was able to give his life for those who he loved. And love comes back up there, surfaces again. The great love that Jesus has for you and I. The third thing Jesus did is he he broke the bread. And I believe this is another a key point. It, it symbolizes that the body of Jesus was going to be a broken. That is sacrificed as a victim for man's deliverance. And this act of, of breaking the bread is so significant that the early church sometimes called the Lord's Supper simply the breaking of bread. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and of prayers. This morning, just before long, the bread's going to be broken. And just as you are given some of that, just remember how Christ's body was broken. And why? It comes back to us. Under the Old Testament, the broken bread well, pictured the sufferings of the Israelites, but now the New Testament Breaking uh, the bread was to picture the broken body of Christ. And we could read the crucifixion account, how his body was pierced, his body was broken. The fourth thing Jesus did with the bread is he gave it to the disciples to eat. That's when he said these words, take, eat, this is my body. And it means that a man is to take and receive Jesus Christ into his life. The moment a man takes and receives Christ is a moment of redemption. It's And it's that moment that's to be remembered this morning. We can remember back when we accepted Christ as our Savior. It reminds us of how his body was broken, how he died for me. He rose from the grave for me. And we just say, thank you, Jesus, for what you accomplished for me. A few verses from John, John 6:51, 50 and 51, Jesus said, this is, is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever and the bread that I, I give is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. And we think of again how he gave, he gave his life we ask why? To offer eternal life to the world, to all who believe. And we look at that, and then it's just a reminder that this account that we're looking at was prior to his death. So they, they were gathered together to observe what they've done for so many years, the Passover supper. And it was at that supper that they were sitting there that Jesus, first of all, pointed out the betrayer. Then second of all, he took the opportunity to point their attention towards the events that were back to take place. And then he used bread to help his disciples understand, as the kernels of wheat need to be broken and crushed into flour to later on to make bread. So likewise, the body of Jesus was to be broken. Nails were driven through his hands and his feet to provide salvation that mankind so desperately needed. And he said it so clearly. He said, take eat, this is my body. And some other the gospels say, "Which is broken for you." So as we get as we move on here, when the bread comes around this morning, remember that Jesus' body was broken for, for you. Second point, the Lord's Supper here is, uh, this is my blood from verse 23, and he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank of it. Four things Jesus did with the cup. One is kind of uh, the same as with the bread, and that is he took the cup into his hands. It's just a reminder, a second reminder, that his death was voluntary. He took that cup. Jesus held uh, his life in his hands. No man took his life. Jesus gave his life for you and me. Again, put yourself back in the upper room. What was going through Jesus' mind? He knew what Judas was thinking. He knows what we're thinking this morning. What was going through his mind? knowing that just shortly, just before long, his disciples are going to leave. He's going to be crucified. But he's saying, I'm doing this for you. And that's for you this morning and for each one here today. He took the cup in his hands. The second thing he did, as he did with the bread, he gave thanks. Thank God for deliverance through sacrifice. You know, or we saw how he gave thanks with the bread and now here again with the cup. And I think this should draw our attention anew to the the genuine love that God has for man. Did he have to? No. Did he want to? He did. To restore that relationship between God and man. He was aware of the state of darkness that man was living in and he was willing to pay the price that was required. Thank you, Jesus. The third thing he did... He gave the cup to the disciples and they all took a drink. Jesus must become a part of man's very being if they desire, if they have a desire for deliverance. He they took, he gave the cup and they took a drink. Had Jesus become part of your life? Is Jesus living within? Are you guided and directed by the Lord Jesus Christ? This morning. Our Sunday school class upstairs was 13 or 14 men. I'm just sitting there. as They were teaching, just thinking, you know, what potential was in that classroom this morning? Every man up there, as well as in all classes, don't get me wrong, has Jesus Christ living within. And just in a few hours, we're going to go out, and our work week's going to start, and all these people are going to go out with Christ in their heart. And what a difference we can make for the world. Is Christ dwelling within? Are you different because of Christ? As you took of him, as you're about to take of him, does he make any difference in your life? The word gave uh, in Greek means Christ gave his life once for all. Jesus died once and only once. Romans 6.6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we henceforth should not serve sin. His body, Christ died. His blood was spilt. We died Did we die with him? Are we dead to sin and living in victory, living a life for the Lord? And the fourth thing he did, verse 24, he identified the cup as his blood of the New Testament. His blood established a new covenant with God. His blood allowed a new relationship between God and man. Sin has required the shedding of innocent blood ever since the Garden of Eden when God uh, killed the animals to make clothing for Adam to cover Adam and Eve. Every innocent animal that was sacrificed at the tabernacle and then later at the temple throughout the centuries before his coming pointed to the Lamb of God. Just pointed to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yes, the... The animal sacrifice was God's plan at that time, but that was a temporary plan set in place until the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God. John 1.29, the next day John saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ instituted that new covenant out with the old, and in with the new. And Jesus said, this is my blood. His blood was shed to take the place of animal sacrifices. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscious peace or wash away the stain. That song almost makes it sound like it was a waste of time. No, it was God's plan at the time but the blood was just to cover. It could not wash away and it could give peace. Another verse, but Christ the heavenly Lamb takes all our sin away, a sacrifice of nobler name, a richer blood than they. Old Testament sacrifices were set in place until Christ came. His blood was shed to wash away our sin. His blood was shed to restore that right relationship with God. His blood was shed to make us pure within. And it's through His blood that we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. As we take communion this morning, we must receive what Christ has done for us. We, we need to drink and partake and absorb and embrace Christ's blood into our lives, which means we need to believe and trust the death and blood of Christ to forgive our sin, which gives us the assurance of salvation, which is why Christ died. We need to allow Christ's death and resurrection to become Uh, our nourishment, or the innermost part and energy, the very flow of our lives. Not just twice a year, each and every day of our lives. John 6, 53-54, Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And the blessings, and the blessings, and the blessings of being a child of God. Whosoever believes in me, partakes, I will raise him up. Eternal life is promised for the obedient. You go back to Exodus 12, the children of Israel obeyed just as they were taught. Are we being obedient to what Christ is teaching us? As we remember his His suffering, his death, and his resurrection, please ponder anew the great love that he has for you and I. You are here this morning, and you are loved by someone who died for you. And we just have to just, just pause again and say to yourself, just thank you, Jesus, for that wonderful gift of salvation. A verse from Luke twenty-two nineteen. he took bread, he gave thanks, and break it, and gave unto them, the four step there, then saying, this is my body which is given for you, This do in remembrance of me. Again, this is my body and my blood. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pause for prayer. Father God, we come before you this morning with grateful, thankful hearts. You are good to us, Lord. And each one here this morning has a never-dying soul that you died for. I pray, Lord, that we could just serve you faithfully, looking forward to eternity with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're, for allowing your body to be broke and your blood to be shed, that today we can experience the hope of eternal life. Lord, I pray you would just be with each one here today. Pray that no sin could be within our camp, and that we could partake worthily. I ask a blessing upon Lester as he leads out. And may this time just be sweet to each one. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.